Hey Rodney, did you know Slack's been a part of the Ready for as long as I have? You mean like back in the Bryant Park days? You know it. Even when there were only a couple of us working out of a cafe in Midtown, Slack is where we came together to tackle the future of work. Over eight years later, we're fully decentralized across eight time zones, and we still do it all with Slack. That's right, because it's the AI-powered platform for growing your business, keeping your teams connected, and making work legitimately simpler. Now you can get up to speed on a new project with one-click summaries or find exactly what you need, when you need it, with an AI-supercharged search function. It makes your day-to-day easier and gives you the freedom to focus on what really matters, your future. Grow your business without the grind in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. My expression of this is that where we've been is like the Beatles in Hamburg. And it's been like a small group of people for a bunch of early years getting so many reps, you know, playing our 800 shows and having our two albums worth of songs and really figuring out how to do what we do. And now I think like I'm feeling the itchiness of like, okay, but like what if we, you know, went to India and studied transcendental meditation and make Sgt. Pepper? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Brave New Work, a podcast about reinventing our organizations and the search for a more adaptive and human way of working. I'm Rodney Evans, and I am joined, as always, by my throat-coated (laughs) co-host. Hello, hello. It's a T. Okay. On today's episode, we're going to talk about challenges around ownership, stewardship, leadership, just general bus driving on projects and initiatives, particularly in self-managing environments, because it is tricky. But before we unpack that, we're going to do a check-in round, and Aaron is going to run it. So uh, we're going to begin every episode with a check-in. This episode's check-in question for today is, what is a lie that you tell for your own convenience? So to get out of things or to get around things or just to make your life easier or better in some way, a lie that you tell, you start and I'll go second. A lie that I tell for my own convenience is that I'm going to bed. (laughs) And what are you actually doing? Reading. Uh Uh-huh. So it might be in bed, but you're not asleep. Yeah, exactly. And and that will be, uh, it's not usually like inside my ha- I don't have to lie to Ed about that because both of us are very happy to be alone together. But like, if I am out in the world, I, I will yeah. definitely be like, I have to go to sleep. And what I mean is I have to not be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I would say mine is probably a pretty popular pandemic one. We'll see what the listeners think. But occasionally I'm coming out of a meeting that ended roughly on time. And there's another oh. one right away. Right. And there's another one right away. And my, I'm just for my own mental health. I'm like, I don't think I can just go door to door. I need five minutes. And so the other meeting will be air quotes running late. Don't lie to me. Did you do that on the way to this recording? No. <gasps> no, that like, was this actually meeting happening. is wrapping up. Like, was it? Well, it was, though. Honestly, <laughs> Sarah Devereaux, friend of the show, will tell you I was literally on. I'm not going to pull the shit with you. But yeah, Sarah, it does, I would say at least once a day, I'm like, oh, it's running late. I'm going to need five. <laughs> and that's to make a tea or to take a moment and just stare at into nothingness. Yeah, but I we just all need, need a minute. That. We just need a minute. <laughs> I feel like that is our energy today, folks, is very, we just need a minute. We just need a minute. So today's topic is this delicate dance of ownership and self-management. And uh, I'm going to start by asking you, what makes this so tricky? Because it 
does seem to be. It is confounding. The first thing I want to clarify is that when we're saying ownership in this description, there are air quotes around that as well, because we're not talking about equity. We're not talking about shareholding or anything like that. We're talking about who's driving the bus. And so words that you might hear in a traditional system like accountability, focus, attention, urgency, assurance, those are the sorts of ideas that underpin this. And it really is a question of when there's a project or an initiative or a circle or a team or something in a self-managing system that needs to be stewarded, that needs to be you know nudged towards the future, who exactly is doing that and how are they doing that? And what we're finding, and I think we'll unpack today, I hope to I hope to get to the bottom of it, is that it's easy if you're not careful in a decentralized system for everybody to be working on something, but nobody to really be caretaking for it yeah. and really making sure that it's healthy and that it's going the distance. What would you add to that? I am feeling this more. Here's why I'm feeling this more right now. And I'm I'm gonna make just like my own my own legal disclaimer right now. I have COVID. I'm not sleeping well. I'm very tired. I'm very cranky. I'm pandemic irritated. And so if that comes through, please to my teammates who I love very much, it's not directed at you. It's just my general state of mind, but it is related to this because here's, here's the thing is right now in this moment of work and pandemic and all of the things when someone else doesn't like really grab the reins and sweat something, I'm just, I'm not a person who won't keep one eye on it. Yeah. And I have one eye on too many things right now. Mm-hmm. And so what's grading on me, and this is at, this is at home too. This is like everywhere in my life. What's grading on me right now is that though a lot of things and roles and projects are theoretically owned by other people, I, they're not. They're not held in such a way that I can forget about them. And so they're just like this cognitive tax, Mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. normally in Rodney's healthy brain would be like, (laughs) oh, I'm sure that's coming. I'll just forget about it. But in my burnout brain, it's just like at two o'clock in the morning, it just pops into my head. And I'm like, I haven't heard anything about that in six weeks. I wonder if that like check got set or that account got closed or that Notion project got spun up or that client call ever got scheduled. And so... It feel like it feels bigger and heavier than it would in other situations, I guess, yeah. or, or when I'm in better situations. Yeah, I totally agree. And and there is the underlying drumbeat of my energy is like make shit happen energy. And yeah. so when whenever I'm collaborating with anyone anywhere, I I do have to play with the balance between like where do I apply that energy as a as an actor as someone who's using it to make something happen or create something where do I focus that energy as a collaborator and potentially like a feedback provider mm-hmm. and where do I just have to let it go and and let things you know happen at the pace they're going to happen or to the degree they're going to happen but I do have this craving and, and obviously, there's probably a lot of stories underneath this, identity stories, cultural stories, etc. But I have this craving for like, more collaborators in my life that are just knocking walls down and, and like, moving in service of the purpose with a certain level of vigor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I hear that. And I, I think the thing is in self-management that's tricky, I mean, we'll talk more about all of the the various aspects of this, is that 
First of all, we all have a portfolio of things that we're doing. And so everyone yeah. has their own sort of equalizer where they're prioritizing. Yep. And and there are things that probably are higher on my list in terms of I would love to see this done than they are on the list of the person who has taken responsibility for doing them. Like that's just totally. the reality of this. And y- you know, we we do work in a way that's more fractal and that's more dynamic and that's also means it's more piecemeal it, than it just like cut across organizations even. Absolutely. Absolutely. Then like, you know, if I had an employee and every week in the one-on-one, I was like, let's do another <laughs> review of that report. You know, that's dumb, but it also is clear. Right. <laughs> and this way of working is trickier. And, and I think that there is a patience that, again, that I'm just like lacking at the moment. And it sounds like maybe you are too, where because in the liminal space between here's an idea that we are signing up for as a group and one person in particular has raised their hand and here is the first asset product move increment of progress in that liminal space there's like a lot of noise yeah and like what i'm finding you know and even inside the ready there are examples of this is like once a day someone is asking a question around transparency around governance and i'm like we're cl- like we <laughs> we have a solution it's not here yet we either need a different solution now or to all just like take a beat and wait for the solution right. but in the meantime once a day i'm i'm tagged in slack to answer a question about right it. right right and like that's the kind of stuff where it's like just like the balance of patience and emergence right is is tricky because you can't like I mean, you can, you can go like force stuff. You can force stuff to be done. But if you want to practice in such a way that the constraint is we've agreed to do it, someone has raised their hand and it will come, and then we are going to let it happen, then you have to like live with the pace at which that happens, even if it's not super comfortable for you. So I think this is another third way episode because what I'm hearing is there are two polarities here. One is... I'm going to be the structural reason that stuff gets done at the pace and level of, you know, quality and intentionality that I want. And so I like my own burden and my own acting in the system is going to be the solution, which mm-hmm. is not scalable, sustainable, healthy, et cetera. Super exhausting. Um, That's how we ended or, up with 18 rolls. <laughs> right. Or I'm going to let the tensions emerge around things that are needed. And then eventually it'll reach a fever pitch enough that the system will want to address it. And when they want to address it, you know, solutions and people will appear and eventually come to some conclusions or some solutions. But that is obviously a much more patient, to your point, and more emergent solution. The good news about that way of doing it is that usually, not always, but usually those solutions get very baked in to the culture and the norms and the structure. And are better. Not always. Because they're not um, like forced. Yeah. But I think there's there's a third way here around this idea of how do we want to show up to the things we're showing up to and what kind of clarity do we need to have about the roles we're playing Yeah, that might not be all the way there in a lot of the decentralized systems that we work in and work with where it is a little bit more of a free-for-all. I mean, for example, thinking about like a DAO or you know a new Web3 entity, there might be a thousand people in the Discord and they're all like, how can I help? How can I help? How can mm-hmm. I help? And there's a few people building something behind the scenes and there's not a lot of clarity about roles, opportunities, 
who's driving what it, you know, that hasn't even happened yet. And right. even in a system as, as old as ours, you know, six years going on seven, there's still a lot of stuff that maybe has, you know, it has loose, it has loose clarity about who stewards it or who holds the space, but there's way less clarity about what level of execution or intentionality we expect. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Well, and I think there's there's a thing happening that I see in DAOs that also is very related to early days of self-management. And if people, you know, go back and listen to Alistair's episode of this podcast about onboarding into self-management, there's a thing where it's like people who come into systems, contributors who come into systems fresh have a lot of energy and they tend to have more capacity because they're not already sucked into so many things. (laughs) And they tend to be like, I want to help and I want to contribute, which is awesome. Except that usually that requires folks that have some institutional knowledge or have been driving something to invest. Right. And so there is this challenge when you've got a lot of sort of un- unbridled energy and potential, but even having those contributors contribute effectively requires the stewards of the work. Yeah, yeah. It's a coherence problem again, because totally. I, I deal with this all the time where I'm thinking about there there are people that could do this work. Like, for example, let's get someone to go write an article on behalf sure. of the Ready or Murmur. There's lots of people that could do that work. You can write an article that that would be beautiful to read. The question becomes, will it be coherent with the principles and practices of the company that it represents? So will it actually represent us well in the way that we want to be represented as a community? And and d- the degree to which that person has been embedded in the system has a lot to do with how likely that is to be the case. Because if someone Absolutely. is like fresh off the boat and they come in and you're like, hey, write an article about you know how to make decisions on behalf of the ready, chances are it's not going to be 100% where we want it to be at a coherence level with all of our other material yeah. day one. Yeah. So, so then what, right? You're at this like tension between capacity to act and lead and the coherence required and the knowledge required to do it, you know, in a way that meshes with the system. That plus, that plus, <laughs> plus one. Just, just building on that example, to do that, if someone raises their hand to do that, there's the piece of it that's around coherence. And then there's also the mechanics. So that new person or that external person is going to be like, where do we publish? What are what are the creds? Do I get paid for this? How much should I get paid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who should I ask for advice about getting paid? Okay, I'm going to get paid. How do we get paid here? Do I put that in Notion? What's Notion? <laughs> and like on and on and on and on and on it yeah, goes. Yeah, yeah. And again, this is like not a knock on those human beings. It's just an illustration of how it's hard. <laughs> it, how it's hard. Just how it's hard. Yeah. Just yeah, how yeah. it's hard and how even as more, it's like, it, you know, it's so often just feels like more humans, more problems until we're at a point where so much of the hygiene and the mechanics is taken care of that people can really fly. Yeah, I like the idea that is emerging here around something like a contribution ecology. Yeah. Like what are Ooh, all yeah. the systems around being able to contribute and being able to contribute well? Right. That, that That's like the first half of the puzzle, which is how do you nurture people so that they can find the answers to those questions, find the work that needs to be done, find ways to do it in, you know, in a sense that is coherent with the whole. And then the back half of this for me is still more about um, 
coherence around style at some level, like the level mm-hmm. of intensity, the level of ambition, the level of quality control, et cetera. There are very different communities out there in terms of what's expected and how you execute. Mm-hmm. And so I think having some conversations as a system and maybe some agreements about are we a sweat the details crowd? Are we a like go big crowd or a go or like, you know, tread lightly? I, I just think there are different ways of showing up to these problems where if I'm writing an article, what are my even overs in terms mm-hmm. of reach, in terms of tone, in terms of coherence with the rest of the messaging? Is it supposed to be innovative and break ground? Is it the start of a bunch of articles? Like, are we committing to a much longer chain of of things. And a lot of this boils down to me to vision Mm -hmm. um, and to either aligning with or having your own vision for something like, where are we going? And I would say it's one area where I I find myself occasionally frustrated, which is funny because being a founder, having some vision is an advantage for me. It's helped me in my career and my life. But at the same time, there's a deep craving for like, other people that can either see and run with or expand vision and have some of their own and be like, you know what? I don't need you to tell me another thing about publishing at the ready. I've got a vision for it. Mm-hmm. And I like, and I'm going to realize that vision. Sure. Yeah. 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 I think that's such a big part of it. I also think there's a very human side of this, which is yeah. in any self-managing system, there's a question of, are you contributing to like, make your mark and mm-hmm. build your reputation or are you contributing because you know what the collective needs right. and whether that's whether that's an article or whether that's taking on a project or taking on a new role or whatever it's like are you trying to get are you trying to get your reps are you trying to get noticed are you trying to learn incidentally like no shade on any of those things all of those things are really necessary right. and also i think when you sit where i sit in our system i'm like that's great for you. That might not help me with anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it, to turn the lens on myself critically for a second, and maybe you can give me some advice here, but something that I have been sitting with around this topic related to, to those dynamics is how, how do you make space for vision and ownership to emerge hmm. versus just making space? <laughs> Yeah. Um, and you know, like the difference between stepping away from something versus leaving space around <laughs> something and it'll actually be and someone will actually take over. And I worry, honestly, like one of my insecurities about the ready and murmur, but but more the ready because we have more history is that there's some kind of psychic ownership over things that I'm no longer loving, that I'm no mm. longer nurturing, that other people are hesitant to like make declarative statements about or move or replace vision on. Because yeah. they're thinking like, eh, that's kind of Aaron's thing. Right. And, and, and that's really scary because at the end of the day, we're sitting on all these lines of business and all these pieces of IP that could in their own right be huge businesses. Right. If someone would just say like, hey, we haven't touched physical products in a while. I'm, I'd like to take that over. And I have a vision for how that's going to be like a huge, you know, 10,000 customer business that's going to change the world with paper goods. Yeah. And, and for me, that would be like so exciting. But what I worry about at night is like, have I loved that stuff just enough and too much that people are like, eh, I'll have to deal with Dignan if I want to like really take that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I think it's, I think to the first part of your question, I think it's a, it's a parsing of, will people not step into it because they think that you are holding implicit expectations about how things should be done that they don't think they can meet or they don't want to meet or they don't want to try to get your attention to yeah. meet versus are there are there just spaces that are unattended and assumptions that you are attending them and those are two different things like i think when you are explicitly like i can't do this i trust you please take it i'll keep my mouth shut that creates like a different kind of space than yeah this is open and it's always been mine. So like, right. that's, that's like one part of that thing. Right. Cause, cause in the latter people bring a lot of stories, you know, a lot of stories yeah. to, to that dynamic. And then I think the other thing is and Ali and I had like a 90 minute, very, you know, very mind expanding, very like we were on acid conversation yesterday. That was amazing. That ranged the, you know, the, the spectrum from like, reimagining, you know, what the future of work version of all training is and, you know, what our, you know, it, it, it went all over the place and it was very inspiring. It was very excited. And the truth is for us right now, and probably for a lot of people who are in similar situations right now, we've grown so quickly that there are a lot of people who are just out there doing our core business and learning how to deliver it really well. And like, thank God, because we didn't used to have that. And like, right. that's why you and I used to be on every project. I looked the other day, I've done 30 projects at the ready. That's yeah. too many. That's um, a chunk. Yeah. So, so, so that's a real thing. So if you carve off like the, you know, 60 plus percent of the people at the ready who are just learning to be dope transformers and or hold a project fully by themselves, project architecture, selling pr- the whole banana. That's the vast majority of the humans right there. Totally. Which like, that's cool. That's where we're at. That's our core business. Again, I'm delighted by all of the humans we have and how amazing they are. And that's still stewardship and ownership. 100% super important stewardship. And I also think this is a, God, I'm going to just like tangent myself to death here. But (laughs) I think that's a really important part to tease out of what we're saying, because I would, I would argue none of the core business is unstewarded. It's the garden. It's the it's the cobbler's kid has no shoes stewardship. So like I don't think there are client projects out there that are like, you know, that are tipsy. Right. Like right, ever right. like, you know, people people deeply own and steward that work. Yes. It's just all the other stuff. And and this brings me to my resourcing point because, you know, Ali is one of the most experienced transformers at the ready. Yeah. We want her on everything. And we want her teaching and helping and coaching the next wave of Transformers. So what is the resourcing play that allows Allie to have the space and time to launch a product business, which she has three years of ideas about? (laughs) That's like, that's the, you know, and look, these are champagne problems and I'll have them all day. And also they're, they're, they're real in the moment when you feel like, when you feel like, or I feel like, or Ali, or probably a lot of other people at the ready, just feel like our ambitions and our hopes and our expectations of ourselves are so far outpacing the reality of human beings who have a certain amount of capacity. Yeah, that's right. 
And I think what it brings me to is this idea of our nature as individuals. And I, I sort of go on record believing that putting aside socialization, a lot of us have a lot more capacity to do different kinds of work and different kinds of leadership, entrepreneurship, visioning, et cetera, than we think we do because of the way that we've experienced life. However, given that we do all have where we are now with our personalities and our, our ideas and our ambitions, I think at the end of the day, a system like ours and, or any decentralized system has to identify who, who in among us just out of the box has vision and ambition around different aspects of our purpose. And let's make sure that even at the expense of some of those trade-offs that you just described, that they're able to express that in the way that best serves us. So even if someone is a dope transformer or a dope accountant or a dope coach, if if they possess a vision and an ambition and an entrepreneurial spirit around one of our five pillars, it might just be more useful to the purpose to kind of release them on that because of the rarity of that. Mm. because it's so hard to find someone to really create when the playbook isn't written. Mm. And I think that's the difference is like doing something that we know how to do and takes practice and learning and mastery is, is fantastic and amazing. And most systems require that to even survive. And then there's always the little things on the edge where it's like, there is no, there is no playbook here. There's no, we don't know what works. We don't know how it's going to work. And that's exploratory work. And it starts to, I think, become, a bit of a pipeline. And and this brings me back to the, you know, Spotify, imagine it, build it, you know, scale it, tweak it kind of model, or even some of the maturity mapping stuff that we've been playing with internally. The idea that like, there's different kinds of work in the ready, mm-hmm. and there's different kinds of work in the world. And, and how we align ourselves against those different types will create trade-offs in terms of mm-hmm. how they get done. Yeah, absolutely. And having... You, you know, my, my, it's not even a counterpoint. It's just the shadow of that is having spent some time in early days of a growing company where it was very like, go be in your zone of genius and everything will work out. And seeing the core business crumble <laughs> is also a way that that can go. Yeah. Balancing so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's so, it's so tricky. It's, it's such a tricky thing. And this is where having, real participation and decentralization is the right thing because we're we're sense making with a large group of people what is the most important and where those zones of geniuses are and what is needed and how to invest and it takes a lot of pressure off of the tip of a pyramid in a traditional structure to be figuring that out for everyone and also like when you do that as a team sport it takes real time and attention that that we don't always give it yeah, I think that's right. And and obviously, the journey of a business or system of, or organization is not instantaneous. And so there are, you have to earn your way to diversification, and you have to earn your yeah. way to exploration around the corner. And so yeah, if you're two years old, three years old, four years old, you're probably working core business only. Yeah. And you're probably looking for a lot more people to just learn and master the things that are known. Right. And then you unlock progressively more opportunity to to carve new paths. And that is in some ways challenging because now you're looking for a different kind of participation and a different kind of player than than what you've had. 
Totally. I mean, you know, I've shared with with you the metaphor that I'm working on in my head right now about the ready as a band that I'm excited to talk more about. But like my expression of this is that where we've been is like the Beatles in Hamburg. And it's been like a small group of people for a bunch of early years getting so many reps, you know, playing our 800 shows and having our two albums worth of songs and really figuring out how to do what we do the best that we can do it. And right. I would and I would say in terms of that core business, in terms of doing transformation work inside of lar- mostly large systems, I'm like very proud and very bullish of our maturity there. And now I think like I'm feeling the itchiness of like, okay, but like what if we, you know, went to India and studied transcendental meditation and make Sgt. Pepper? So I'm just like, what's next? Like, let's make a documentary. Let's have merch. Let's have new records. Let's cover songs. Let's like launch independent albums. And it's like, that's a, that's a moment in a system's maturation where there's enough core, there's enough foundation, there's enough coherence for there to be evolution and experimentation and diversity. But then my impatience is like, I want all of it now. Right, totally. Because I'm excited. Yeah, and I think <laughs> what you're talking about is the role of source energy. Mm. And and what I think about when I think about musical artists is some have that and some don't, actually. So, you know, there are definitely artists that come out and they do their thing and it's a shtick. And after a couple of records, it's tired and it's over. And then there's David Bowie's who are like, Every two records, there's this source energy of like, now I'm Ziggy Stardust, bitches. And it's yeah. just a whole different scene. And I, I think that as, as systems grow in their ambition and they grow in their scope, they need more source energy. Mm. And, and, it, and if you're a hierarchical system, you can sometimes get away with all that source energy coming from one person because they can bark orders and hold people accountable and basically sweat everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can really get a long way with that kind of energy if you're willing to work in that way. Mm-hmm. But if you're not willing to do that for for all the reasons that we've listed for the last hundred episodes of the show, then you can't do that alone. Yeah. And so you actually need an expansion of source energy that occurs. And I think that's yeah. what we're like feeling into. Oh, I also wonder if part of both of our stroppiness about this right now is like, <laughs> I think in self-management, sourciness is so much about energy that just catalyzes things to happen. And at this moment of time in the world, I do feel more depleted than usual. Right. And so where in the past, I might have just been like, you know, I'm just like an idea fairy and I'll make half of them come true myself. And the other half, I'll just like sprinkle around and see what happens. It, it probably is taking more now to both like gin up, like muster up the goods and then also do the execution for the things that are mine. And then also be patient with the things that aren't. And that is, again, that has nothing to do with anybody but me. Right. And And the moment. The second year of pandemic. That's why I feel like the the context we're in right now really calls for a do less but better attitude. Totally. And, and, And I think that's what I'm really calling for is I'm calling for all the systems and all the individuals in them to like look at the portfolio of shit you're juggling and figure out where is the thing that I can actually still 
muster the energy to be sourceful and to be ambitious and energetic and and have a high quality bar and just go there. Like really, I think narrowing the scope would be really helpful. And I think there is just like some low grade therapy to be done. And I don't know how I'm going to do this for, for everyone, but that like you are entitled, you are allowed to, to want things to work in a big way and to want things to be amazing and excellent. And I think a lot of us, based on things that have happened to us, the way we've been managed, our identity, our experience, are hesitant to demand that of the things Mm. that we work on. And so I have run into several people throughout my career where I'm like, hey, you know, does that look good enough to you or does that feel good enough to you? And they're like, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, And I'm just like, no, you should want it to be the best book you've ever held in your hands. Like, and and that's my, like, that's a lot of my own um, hangups and principles about, about what good looks like and what's meaningful and what's a life well lived. But a lot of times it feels like people are hesitating to allow themselves to want more Mm. and to want things to be exceptional. Hmm. And, and I just feel like in, in some ways, because of the energy depletion of the pandemic and because of the, the lessons we've learned from it about the fragility of life and systems, to me, that's all the more reason to be like, if you're going to work on something, work on something that really gets you fired up and fucking crush it. Like have mm-hmm. fun with it. And that mm-hmm. doesn't mean an 80 hour week. It means like having a sense of what good means to you and really getting there by hook or by crook. Yeah. Should I should I give our listeners our recent template that I made us? Yes. Okay. So Aaron and I have been dog fooding everything that we're talking about right now in terms of our own role profile <clears throat> and getting real about what we can <laughs> do and not do and you know the ways in which we're holding roles and kidding ourselves and where our aspirations really are. And so what we did recently was to populate a spreadsheet. I adapted this from an agile methodology called WSJF, which stands for weighted shortest job first, but I made it about us and about individual roles. And so what we did was say, Google Sheet, what is the name of the role? What is the value to the ready? What is the market impact or the value externally? How uniquely capable are you versus someone else being able to do it? This is all self-report, by the way. All self-report. Although we had a <laughs> we, we had a spirited other. discussion about yeah. some of these things. And then finally, how life-giving is it to you? Like, is it an energy suck or would you do it for free? on a sunny day, you know, and we, we just populated that. And I'm going to make a template that is blank and anybody who wants it, you can email podcast at the ready and I'll give it to you. And my suggestion to you would be write down all your roles. And if you're in like a traditional job, try to parse that into really what you're actually doing, like what the projects are that you're on and what the tasks are that are repeated. And then go ahead and just populate it for yourself. You might be surprised at how the numbers shake out. And then, you know, what what Aaron and I both did after discussing and futzing and prioritizing these was basically like, okay, well, for our bottom some number, our bottom half, <laughs> how are we rehoming these? Yeah, or how are we retiring them? Or like what what's gonna happen? Because this is first of all, this is a myth that we are living. And second of all, to Aaron's point, if you want to sweat something, sweat something you love and just sweat that. Totally. And it it creates a flywheel effect that I'm excited about because I've seen it in my own 
career, when you really do love something all the way and you give it, you know, your full attention or most of your attention and you hold it to a high standard, the fact that so few people are able to do what Rodney just described sets it apart right out of the gate because everybody else, you know, 5 billion other people are spread across 20 things and they are not empowered to hold them to any standard and they're not empowered to steward them. And so at the end of the day, just having that level of deliberateness, I think really unlocks extraordinary value and sets you and the project or initiative or company or whatever apart in a way that is really exciting. And I think, you know, you'll find really enriching. Yeah. And and even if you are not someone who has so much agency like we do, do it anyway, because mm-hmm. because, you know, if you see that you're that you're holding 20 things and actually like five of them, you're phoning in or like LARPing or, you know, pretending or hating, you, you know, you don't have to quit overnight or maybe you do. I don't know your life. But <laughs> what you might do is like think to yourself, OK, in the next six months, yep. how can I creatively wiggle my way out of this? Yeah. You know, is there, you know, is is this new hire who really wants to prove himself someone who would like to be on this Tiger team instead of me? <laughs> cool. Let's see, you know, let's see what he thinks about this. Yeah. Or even just psychologically letting yourself off the hook. Yeah. Right? Like, this is where I give 100 and this is where I give 50. Right. And like, this is a thing I hate. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a thing I hope yeah. goes away. <laughs> yeah. And that's okay yeah. if you don't have total agency, right? I mean, yeah. you know, you have to decide how to tread water. But I think there's a big difference between trying to show up to 20 things like you're a superhero right. and failing and just being like, no, I'm going to really crush it here and here and everywhere else I'm going to tread water. And I'm okay with that. I'm going to give myself permission yeah. to be that way. And the wisdom to know the difference, right? <laughs> I mean, I truly, as I was filling this thing out and looking at the numbers, there were some real surprises in there. Yeah, yeah. There were things when I did did this in November that my head would have told you I thought were super important and I was super fired up about and the numbers did not prove out. And those things are no longer on my stack. I think it's scary to fill something like this out because, yeah, because there's a part of you that wants to hide from that truth. Mm. And, And it's very easy for me to hold an idea in my head of like, I'm juggling a bunch of stuff and I'm really important and I'm special and I'm doing it. And, and I then love you it really all. look in and you're like, what do I actually enjoy? What actually matters? And it turns out that half of it is either not for you or doesn't matter. Yeah. It's like, that's a real <laughs> ego hit, you know? He's <laughs> like, here's the thing I love that no one cares about. That's yeah, interesting. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. here's the thing everyone cares about that I'm flubbing. Um, yeah. And so there's, I just think there's a lot of vulnerability in the activity is all I'm saying, which is great. And that's a reason to lean into it. But don't be surprised if you get the template and then are like, I'll do that tomorrow. Uh, yeah. Because you're going to want to, you're going to want to squirm. Yeah. Yeah. I want to give one example from our noticings because oh, yeah. I thought it was cool to your point about here's a thing that's important that I hate. One of the things that was very low on my list and is no longer on that list is holding a role of speaker for the ready. And what I realized doing this exercise is that doing speaking stuff like from a stage in front of an audience, um, it's just not something that I like. And I've done a lot of it and Aaron does tons of it. And it's important for our business. And the market wants that sort of thing for various events and conferences. And I understand because I want them too. And what that brought up was like, okay, the version of that that I love is doing this podcast. It's doing other people's podcasts. Let's get 
like I want to double down on the podcast. I want to do more stuff like this, like more Twitter spaces, more panels, more interaction with the people out there because I love all of that. And there's this one part of this that's important that I don't want to do. And so that like that kicked up a really interesting conversation of what would it take to have a stable of speakers from the ready who are absolutely lit up by being on the stage talking about Brave New Work. And like that's a really interesting thing to figure out, but I had to stop kidding myself in order for us to have that conversation. I love that as an example, especially because it's a really good example of like thinner slicing. Mm-hmm. So you could be at the level of spokesperson, just kind of stuck with a bag of stuff where you like mm-hmm. like some of the stuff on the plate, but yeah. not the other stuff on the plate. And to just be like, we don't have to do that. We don't have to live at that level of abstraction. We can cut this up and say, yes. this person is a conversational convener. Yes. And this other person is a ham. <laughs> and like, and that's, that's in no way describing the two of us. And that, I was just going to say, I'm like, I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> and that's okay. And in fact, that's actually really good for the business. Yeah. Because that level of clarity then allows you to say like, what's missing, what isn't, et cetera. So yeah, that speaks yeah. to me. And even the recognition of the, you know, the ham on the other end of this podcast right now, even the recognition and the openness in the conversation for me to be able to say, doing that is totally depleting. And for Aaron to be like, that is like spinach to Popeye. Let's fucking go. Like those are impo- like those are important conversations for your business and for your team. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause I'm like, oh, this is just something that always sucks and everyone hates it. And it's like, no, that's right. that's not true. Yeah. Well, and to <laughs> me, that's that's throughout this whole conversation, that's one of the themes is that you're gonna be centered on your experience of stewardship of ambition and vision of overload of burnout of what's energizing and what's not everyone's centered on their own experience of that stuff right of course so so we need to be conversing about it openly so that we can figure out where where everyone stands and what's actually needed for the system and we can't do that if we pretend that everyone's like me or that everyone's not like me or that we're all on the same page because we just aren't yeah and and it you know that'll allow us hopefully to to lean into our superpowers and where we have a a gap in them to find people that actually have those superpowers and bring them into the system. Yes. And that seems like a pretty good place to draw things to a close. On that note, I'm going to go be on someone else's podcast in a moment. You conversational convener. I know. Uh, If y'all like what you're hearing, please review us or tell two to three friends about us this week, please. Very specific. A quick tip of the hat, as always, to Taylor Marvin for making us sound good. Brave New Work is produced by The Ready, where we help organizations around the world change the way they work. You can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at theready.com. And as for you, thanks for listening. Now go change something.